Say you're a professional landscaper. You're not just tough. You're professional grade. And so are your tools. Because you got best-in-class Echo X-Series products. You got a perfect balance of power, weight, and performance from a professional-grade 56-volt battery system. Max-out battery tech that gives 100% power till a 0% charge. Echo X-Series means best-in-class tools for best-in-class pros. So when we say Echo is professional-grade, we mean it. Echo. Power on and on. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, this is Charles Fox, and you're listening to TV Confidential. He's cut out on my sugar. Now he's messing with my ham. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Simon Napier-Bell will join us at the top of the hour. Simon Napier-Bell, former manager of Wham! and the producer and director of The Real George Michael, an excellent documentary about the life and legacy of George Michael. We hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Greg Airbar is with us for a look at DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming titles that we think you will find of interest. Greg Airbar, co-author of Mousetracks, the story of Walt Disney Records, and the author of the forthcoming Hanna-Barbera, The Recorded History. You can read Greg Airbar. Twice a month, cartoonresearch.com. Well, Greg's new podcast, The Fantastic World of Hannah and Barbara, is available wherever you find audio. Greg? Uh, thank you, Ed. I want to uh, take a little different tack this time with my review because this is such an extraordinary release that I'm very fortunate to have someone join me who was actually involved with it and actually wrote a very, very uh, comprehensive book I'm pleased to be talking today with Mark Cantor. He's a jazz film historian, archivist, and author of a book called The Soundies, A History and Catalog of Jukebox Film Shorts of the 1940s. McFarland publishes that. You can get it on your online or retail booksellers. Go into Barnes & Noble and tell them to stock it if it's not there. And Mark appears on a new Blu-ray, and that is called Soundies, The Ultimate Collection, and that's from our friends at Kino Lorber. Thanks for uh, being with me today, Mark. My pleasure. My pleasure. The Soundies, for those who don't understand them, can you explain what they are? I think a lot of listeners will, but let's just give them a little brief description. Okay. As of late, meaning the past maybe 10, 15 years, people have used the term Soundies just to um, refer to any short musical piece from an old film regardless of the sound, the source. But that's not true. A Soundie was a short three-minute musical piece that was produced specifically for release on a machine called the Panoram. Picture a wooden device around the size of a refrigerator with a screen at eye level, put in a dime, and you watch during the war years, uh, World War II, this musical presentation that lasted three minutes. And if you want to watch the next one on the reel of eight, you put in another dime and so on and so forth. And between 1941 and March of 1947, the Mills Novelty Company released 1,869 of these films specifically for viewing on this machine. 
It's an extraordinary part of American history, entertainment history, uh, the history of many great performers, some you've, you'll know right away, some that you may not have heard of. I, I want to just mention that there were performers on there I knew, and I was delighted to see, like Jimmy Dodd from the Mickey Mouse Club. That's obviously how he made a living at one point, because you wonder, what else did he do besides Buck Privates Go Home and uh, Snuffy Smith? <laughs> and um, the song spinners, and those who grew up with Peter Pan records or RCA Bluebird records, they always sang with Jack Arthur on those records, and they sounded the same, and it was great to see them on camera. But for those who um, maybe aren't as obscure as me, you've also got... Uh, Gosh, Ricardo Montalban must have been about 20. And there's uh, almost all the great big bands. Fats Waller on camera. There's four reels and there's six programs per reel. And each one of them has eight soundies on them. What's most fascinating is a scene that you're in, in one of the bonus features, where you show how the machine works. That's really cool. I watch that over and over again because you put the dime in and you see the film, you see the insides, and it's like, I really want to understand what these are. Now, when people say, well, those are just like music videos, it's probably more than that, correct? Oh, absolutely. Music videos are highly polished, highly edited promotional pieces, and soundies uh, were made on a very limited budget, and certainly with a great deal of pressure in terms of the production schedule, uh, maybe one day of recording, one or two days of filming. So the production quality differs, but also this is the war years, and it isn't so much a means of promoting a specific artist, although that happens, that was important. That was one reason why people agreed to appear in Soundies, but that aspect of the production was much less of a focus than, oh, a, uh, a music video like Michael Jackson's Thriller. It's all about Michael Jackson. It's all about Michael Jackson. And then it's all about Michael Jackson and his song Thriller. The Soundies were about providing entertainment to a mass audience during the war and making sure that all aspects of the American demographic were covered because the panorams were uh, found throughout the United States. So, yeah, I think it's fair to make that comparison, but soundies are a little bit less than music videos and a lot more. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, because they are so much a part of what people's lives were, especially at the home front things, the Victory Gardens. They were depicting day-to-day I mean, these were everywhere. It's hard to imagine because we don't even we don't have jukeboxes and we've all got phones. But you could find these at bus depots, right? Oh, absolutely. And here's the part that really surprised me. Every reel has eight films on it, and they changed once a week. Correct. But you, you put your dime in, and you got the next one. And in this era where we have instant, every push button, everything, the fact that you didn't really know what film was coming. And the, the fact that people would be delighted by that was pretty extraordinary. And four of these on the Blu-ray, at the end of each one of the discs, is a reconstructed eight-film reel. 
So while it's kind of neat to see them in the various contexts of what life was, or, or here's this kind of band, or here's piano, here's whatever, you've also got these reels and it really drives home what life was like going and watching these things because they're incredibly eclectic. Why was that? Why were they so eclectic? Was it the speed of making them? No, it was eclectic by design, by very, very specific design. Keep in mind that the panorams were available for sale or lease throughout the country. And while they were largely an urban phenomenon, they were found in the Deep South, in more rural areas, in the Midwest, in more suburban areas. So picture a viewer in Boston, which at the time was very, very highly Irish um, in terms of its cultural perspective. A soundie with Morton Downey or John Feeney would be very, very appreciated. Mm -hmm. But in Minnesota, while that might be accepted, there were Scandinavian populations uh, in Minnesota. And what they wanted was the polka, right? Mm -hmm. In Harlem, perhaps a great black jazz band. In Oklahoma City a Western swing band. So these reels were constructed, these eight films put in place specifically uh, to cover as many of these demographic groups as possible in eight soundies. And they also constructed them to reflect the type of film. For instance, in one of the catalogs, they specifically say, uh, you know, if you want to make up your own reel of soundies, which was an option that was not often followed. Never construct a reel of eight big bands. One or two will suffice, but you also want to have vocalists. You want to have dancers. You want to have a comedy or novelty soundie. You want to have what are called song stories, where there's no band on screen and where the vocalists sort of act out yeah. the lyrics. Yeah, they're little stories. Yeah, Little stories. So the fact that these are, as you call them, very, very appropriately eclectic was by economic design in order to uh, please as many viewers as possible. It's astonishing to me in this day and age that you would not be able to pick. And I think that in some ways, it's good that everything, I mean, they did have specific reels once, according to the very voluminous notes they did find that in African-American uh, areas that they were so popular that they had specific ones made there. But there were loads and loads of reels for everyone that had bands and singers of different minorities mixed together. And that's that was probably a great thing to bring all of these cultures. Yeah. And because you had to put your your only power was the dime. Everybody sat through different things and were exposed to different kinds of music and, and all kinds of people. That's a great thing. Well, don't forget, you know, one of the great overly generalized perceptions of the African-American audience is that they only would watch black performers. And that that is so, so um, overly stated. Mm -hmm. Let's not forget that on a number of occasions, Louis Armstrong commented on the perfection of Guy Lombardo's read section. And while that option to create a reel on your own was there, I have found very little evidence that it was overly used and even less evidence that it was just 
African-American panorama owners who constructed reels of black soundies. I I really question whomever uh, wrote that in the, the notes. It wasn't me. <laughs> well, it's interesting that you would say that because I also think that it is questionable because sometimes it's a marketing construct rather than an actual function of humanity that everybody lives in boxes and doesn't want to see anybody else. You know, great music is what brings us all together and great performers. I mean, Dorothy Dandridge is pretty much the star of this and she's so versatile uh, all the way through this. And and that's no surprise because she's renowned. What's uh, What did surprise me was that Gail Storm did so many of these. Yes, she was an immensely popular bee starlet at the time. But can I carry on one step further? Yes, Dorothy Dandridge and Gail Storm are stars. But one of the things that people really need to understand is when I first started researching these things, I recall people saying silly things like, oh, they just pulled people off the streets or, oh, they just appeared on a radio uh, once or twice. That couldn't be further from the truth. The fascinating aspect of many of these for me is that we're seeing people who were well-known radio and stage and vaudeville and recording artists back then. We may have forgotten them over the years or the general population might have forgotten them. But back then, if there was a soundie by a certain radio artist like Irish tenor John Feeney, a fair amount of the population, whether you were Irish or not, said, oh, yeah, he sings Irish songs. Yeah, he does Mother McCree. Now, how many people know John Feeney today? Very, very few. But just because today we're not familiar with an artist or a dancer or a big band, that doesn't mean that back then they weren't, if not household names, uh, performers who were very familiar to most of or much of the population. Yeah, that's sort of the way AM radio in the 60s was. You'd hear Everybody Loves Somebody, and then you'd hear the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and then you'd hear the Anita Kerr singers on the same station. Yeah, yeah. Again, it goes to that cubbyholing that targeting has to do, and uh, it's a much bigger subject. But you see here, there is a joining. There's another cool thing, too, and that you've got African-American soldiers in these videos, which are rarely in a lot of movies. But what's cool about it is that it's matter of fact. You're seeing people as people uh, depicted in neighborhoods, uh, having a good time, listening to music. And there's something very wonderful about that. Listening to Greg Airbar's conversation with Mark Cantor, Mark Cantor, jazz and film historian and the author of Soundies, a history and catalog of jukebox film shorts, of the 1940s. Mark's book, Soundies, is available through McFarland Books, Amazon.com, where books are sold online. Mark Cantor also featured in the Blu-ray, Soundies, the Ultimate Collection, available through Kino Lorber. We'll play more of Greg's conversation with Mark Cantor at the end of our second hour. Among other things, you will learn that Mark's book, Soundies, the history and catalog of jukebox film shorts of the 1940s, was more than 40 years in the making. Hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, take a quick time out. Then Simon Napier-Bell will join us. We come back. 
Simon Napier Bell, former manager of Wham and the producer and director of an excellent documentary on the life and legacy of George Michael. All that more when we come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.